0: FMR one oh one point three
1: People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. And gosh, what a different edition this is. Let me tell you that we're recording this interview at Ian Burgess Simpson's Pianos down here near Musenberg, which means that we are surrounded by the most magnificent pianos, grand pianos, upright pianos, Steinway, Kuwais. And center stage at the moment, which is the reason for this interview, is a Fazioli concert grand which has been bought by a person here in Cape Town, and it's been tweaked and tuned and let settle in the Cape Town environment, which Ian Burgess-Simpson is going to tell us more about. Ian's with me here. We also have, by the way, three pianists who are going to perform for us. These three pianists all performed in the Johann Foss Piano Competition. But first of all, Ian, I think just the logistics of this I'd like to find out. First of all, what, what model is it? It looks certainly grand in all senses of the word. Hi, Rodney, so this
2: is a it is a full concert grand, and it's called an f two seven eight. The two seven eight refers to the length of the piano, and a lot of pianos are named like that, so it's two hundred and seventy eight centimeters long. Is that the usual length of a concert grand? It's quite a common length. They vary f- with a few centimetres of each other. So
1: 274 centimetres, 278 in that region is fairly typical. So this is a typical grand concert grand with the usual length, but also it has, I should think, something about it that makes it different. These Fazioli pianos have an aura about them. And when you first heard of it, what did you think of the, this whole Fazioli idea?
2: Well, in, in my career, Fazioli has, has been a, a sort of mythical creature that, that one hears about but never sees. And that's the case for, for many pianists as well. And I eventually went to Italy two years ago to pursue this mythical creature and, and establish what it was. And it was the most extraordinary experience, which has led to us representing them here in South Africa for the first time. And to me, becoming acquainted with this new, um, I'd have to call it a new soundscape, really. What do you mean by that, Ian? This new soundscape, really? Well, I think the the question is, and it's, it was a question I had before I went to Italy, and people now pose the question to me: Why why have another piano? I mean, when I began my career, there was a status quo that we were all happy with. Everyone knew what pianos they were, what they did, what they sounded like, and everybody fitted into the correct place in life, and it had been that way for a long time. And in Fazioli quietly in the background was in fact brewing possibly the greatest revolution in the music industry since the last italian upset things approximately 300 years ago by inventing the piano in the first place that was (laughs) Cristofori. it tends to be forgotten that the piano is an italian invention yeah so the question is why make another piano at all, yet another piano, and what is different about it? Is it just a beautiful looking instrument? Is it because it's well crafted? And the answer is no, actually the the real purpose of this piano, and in the interest for me anyway, in the pianists that I have interacted with about the piano, is that it he has introduced some elements in the way the instrument literally works, the way the harmonic structure is created, and therefore the way the music is played, and the possibilities of playing the music that are new and have never been done before.
1: Would um, a listener hear that? Would a listener who's attentive and who knows the sound of the various famous pianos hear this?
2: Well, I think, I think they would certainly hear that there's something distinctive about what they're listening to. it It is very difficult um, to identify the singularity of instruments, even when you, even as I do, when I work with them, I can't say, well, you know, in a recording, yes, that's a blues, you know, that's a this, that's a, was built in such and such a, no, a year. No. But yes, I think listeners will hear that that there are certain characteristics, or they may just have a sense of the music itself, inherently being somewhat different, which is perhaps the more exciting aspect of it because Paolo Fazioli himself is primarily not concerned with the piano as a matter of I have invented this piano, he's concerned with the music. What can this piano do
1: for the music? And that's what I find interesting when I saw a documentary about him. Passion like you won't believe. And he's a musician and apparently a mechanical engineer. Yes. So he thought he's going to make a piano. And he yes. admits it was a ridiculous thing to do.
2: Yes, it's a, it's a completely absurd thing to do. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, I, I think that, that somebody who's, who decides that the piano as they know it, he also studied composition. Um, he's an extraordinary man who, I, who I've met. Very, very modest. And of course, somebody who has nothing to be modest about. But to sit there and decide, well, I, I, I love playing the piano, I love the instrument, but there's something that I want that I can't get, so I'll make one. And then to do so, and then in 40 years, their 40th anniversary, to turn the entire music world upside down, it, it literally has not been done since Christophori, and he did much the same thing because mm-hmm. he upset everybody greatly by taking these little wooden sticks, with leather on them and and hitting the strings instead of plucking them. It was also considered an absurdity.
1: (laughs) And within about 40 years, it was also causing an upset. Um, Just before we have our first piece of music, I want to say that what I found interesting is that he, Faccioli, uses the same wood that he gets in a forest somewhere in Italy that Stradivarius used for his violin soundboards, which seems to me extraordinary.
2: Yes, so when when he started this project, one of his primary issues was the question of how a piano sings, and the question of singing tone, and the, inspired by the Italian balcanto tradition, as one of the cornerstones of his project, he set out to find the soundboard spruce, which is has to be used. He decided that he would trace and then use the wood that Stradivarius used, so mm-hmm. that one of his cornerstones would be this foundation of a singing sound that is not necessarily associated originally with the piano, but with something much closer to the human voice.
1: Well, we're going to explore this extraordinary creature, what should we call it, an animal, standing here on a plinth in your shop. We're going to explore it much more with the help of three young pianists, and Francois de Toy is also here with us, and talk more about what makes this rather special. So, now, Gérard Joubert, is here, on the stool, ready to play, and I'm going to ask him afterwards what he thought of the piano. Gerard, can you just tell us what you're going to play for us? This is Bach's
3: Fantasia in C minor, is Bach. <laughs>
1: Fantasia by Johann Sebastian Bach was played on this Fatsioli concert grand by Gerard Joubert, a young student studying with Francois at UCT and who has already won a number of competitions. But we're not going to talk about you, Gerard. I want you to tell me how that felt on that piano. It's a Baroque piece. I noticed you used a bit of pedal, but not too much. Still, there was tremendous clarity and a warm bass. How does it feel to play something as rarefied as this? I'd say my fingers feel
3: like feathers just gliding effortlessly over the keys. It's a truly amazing instrument, and also there was a spot somewhere in the piece where I could make use of the una corda, so the soft pedal. So there's three pedals on this piano, and the left one really allows one to make a nice color change if you want to play a bit softer and also alter the the color of the sound. Another thing I would say is The bass of this piano is really amazing. It's rare to find a piano where you have
1: a resonant bass that is also so pure, and that's really amazing. It was interesting to hear you say at the beginning, the very first thing you said was that your fingers felt like feathers. Does that mean, so it's an easier touch? Is it you're not digging into the keyboard? Is that what you meant?
3: Yes, one still has to play into the keys, but that, that you would have to do with any piano. But everything, I'd say, feels a bit easier on a fazioli.
1: So you played a baroque piece here, and I think it was Francois, but we'll get to him later, who told me that the fazioli is actually famous for its baroque sound, the sort of clarity. Would you agree with that? That was a baroque piece, and I mean, it certainly showed off an incredible clarity.
3: Yes, I would agree with that. Um, also, in baroque, usually we try not to use too much pedal, but um, with this fazioli, sometimes it is possible actually to pressed on the pedal a bit longer and without actually um, smudging the sound.
1: No, thank you very much, Gerard. That's uh, Gerard Joubert who played our first piece on the Fazioli piano here the Fazioli Concert Grand, which is in the shop at Ian Berger Simpson here in Cape Town and has arrived for a local buyer. And um, we're going to hear more. We've got various people here, and in a moment I'm going to call Francois. But at the moment I'm talking to Ian Burgess-Simpson here on Fine Music Radio on a different sort of edition of People of Note. And Ian, as we heard Herod say there, he spoke about the, the bass, the very warm bass. And I have to say that was one of the first things that struck me about it.
2: Yes, I think possibly the most intrinsic revolution of this instrument is that it combines things that previously have not been possible to combine in pianos. And as a piano technician and a rebuilder and in my relationship with many pianists and talking about them with them coming across these difficulties, generally the way the modern piano works, you have choices between a kind of sonority and clarity, between a singing sound and the sustain of the piano. And there are trade-offs that the pianist is constantly having to work with, the technician is having to work with, um, and what one of the things that Fazioli has done is break that mould in the sense that you can have elements that used to be incompatible simultaneously. And the idea of the clarity being a requirement and therefore the instruments being particularly suitable for certain repertoire is certainly part of the picture, but the reality is that listening to these instruments in all repertoire and, and, and over these couple of years I've, I've heard them and everything from Bach to to Stockhausen. And and, And lots of jazz, I saw. (coughs) I saw a clip of jazz Uh, being played. Huge uh, romantic repertoire. I think what's extraordinary about the pianos is that as I hear pianists explore them, they say, well, let's see what this sounds like and let's see what that sounds like. And they find that this, the coloration available as they learn to use it, you actually have to, they have to adapt because of this combination of richness, sustain, but purity gives a range of options that uncommonly found
1: on the modern instrument I think an unanswerable question then, Ian is how did he do it how did Paolo Fazioli do this if you look at it, if you just look at it it looks like an incredibly well made concert grand, which it mm. clearly is how did he get all those things to, to well, work I,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a piano designer or builder but as a technician and in my visit there and in, in, and in my time working with Faziolli since then I, could, I can give a little bit of insight, I think it's it's partly around the way the soundboard is, d- is designed so that the qualities that come from the soundboard in, if I dare to call them uh, more conventional pianos, what we have to do as technicians and the manufacturer, in fact, is, is give the pianist a lot of harmonic overtones to work with. Um, but the problem with that is they tend to stack up and then they get in each other's way. And so the pianist is, is in this contest with the instrument in some respects, obviously the pianist, feel free to contradict me in a moment, I'm way out of my area here, but certainly as a technician that's what we find. And so the way he's constructed the soundboard, and then the way he's positioned the strings, the design and construction of the bridges, the use of the portion of the string that that sounds um, sympathetically called the duplex scale. He has redesigned that so that each note is individually calibrated and he uses different segments. I won't get, try not to get too technical, <laughs> but this this gives different qualities of color. So literally every single part of this piano, and I think I, I pretty much know every bit in it by now, well, the various ones I've, I've worked on, he has had a role in every single thing, and I know that from talking to him. I mean, mm. where each screw goes, and 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 every element of it. So it's a combination he oversees of all of this.
1: Yeah, design. he oversees each individual, and he only makes what mm. 140 a year. He doesn't mass it's produce
2: 240 a year, which which is just inconceivable mm. in mm. the sense that you take other hand-built pianos, you know, such as Steinway, you make in the region of three and a half thousand a year. Good grief! Right. It's a completely different concept, and mm. should be impossible and yet it clearly is because we've got three of them here so it, it is done by very specific design by use of the very particular materials the mechanism that Cart was referring to it's, I've never come across a mechanism like it in, in, there's nothing dramatic when you look at it there's nothing bizarre there's no other than the piano is fairly bizarre in and of itself but you know, there, there aren't sort of funny counterweights doing things it's a straight Mechanism, but the the geometry and the placement of things, the use of the felt, the type of hammers, the way the hammers are voiced—every single element of the piano is somewhat unique, and it combines into this new soundscape, as I would call it.
1: Well, let's now listen to this remarkable instrument once again. This time, we're going to listen to Debussy, and Debussy is famous for a unique sound world, and. To play it for us is Kevin Kim and Kevin Welcome, and I'll speak to you afterwards about what it's like to play Debussy on an Italian piano. One of the preludes by Debussy was played by Kevin Kim. Now, Kevin, Debussy is famous for the sort of colour you have to create, isn't he? The sort of impressionist watery sound. It. And so, how did that feel on a piano like this, on the good old Fazioli? I think Headard put it very nicely when he said,
4: "Feels like feathers. You also yeah. have feathers." Yes, yes, definitely. Obviously, you have to put in some work into it. Also. The pedaling on this piano feels so different on other pianos, compared to other pianos. Um, there are certain passages that would sound very smudgy as well, if you use too much pedal. But on this piano, it sounds how it's supposed to sound.
1: <laughs> as the composer imagined,
4: so, maybe. So, I mean, I uh, use the same pedal markings on the score, and sometimes it sounds very smudgy on other pianos, but... On this piano, it sounds very clean.
1: <laughs> and the pedal with Debussy is important, isn't it, because of that sort of impressionist sound? We spoke about that watery, watercolor sound that he wanted. So I should think that the pedals for Debussy is an art in themselves, both from the player and from the piano. Yeah, I do definitely agree with that. So it gets a vote of confidence from you?
4: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it makes it so much easier if you work hard enough on the piano. It sounds
1: a lot more clearer if you work hard enough. That's Kevin Kim. Thanks, Kevin. Now, it's time, I think, to remind you that this is a very different edition of People of Note because it's coming to you from Ian Burgess Simpson's shop in Lakeside where there is a magnificent Fazioli concert grand that's just been bought by someone in South Africa and has prize a place here among many magnificent concerts and other grands, And um, we've heard two pieces so far played on this piano, and I know when you listen at home probably it could be on a transistor radio, it could be on your um, computer, and of course to hear this live, which I'm privileged to do sitting right here, is quite an experience. But with us is Francois de Toy of UCT, whom we know so well, and Esther Kruger, and Estia, just before you've just been appointed, something rather exciting has just happened to your life. Tell me about that briefly.
5: Well, um, I've been in a half position at UCT since the beginning of 2019, and now uh, from next year onwards, um, I will be there in a full position. So that's
1: well, congratulations and welcome, François. We all know you so well. What do you think of this contraption here called a fazioli Grand? Uh, Rodney, well, you know, it is an incredibly impressive
4: instrument, and um, You know what was actually so enjoyable was being able to listen to it instead of sitting in front of it. You know, but actually listening to it with other people playing it. And what struck me each time was both with Harald and with Kevin. You know, was this clarity that one hears within the sound. Mm. And I'm sure Esther, you could probably back me up. You know, with 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 Kevin in the in the Debussy as well. There was this shimmering sound that you often don't get sometimes on some of the more modern pianos.
0: Mm.
5: Absolutely, I completely agree with that and um, I think yeah, especially if you see these different layers as you also mentioned Rodney, they are so important and to still have the clarity in that while, for example, sustaining the bass, and that's, uh, of course, very problematic, and there are all kinds of tricks one can do with half pedaling, trying to sustain the bass, of which the strings are, of course, longer, but in this piano, it's just also effortless. And what I noticed about Kevin is very interesting. He's my student, and, of course, I've listened to this piece <laughs> multiple times, so I just also noticed, and it's also the experience I had when playing on the piano, it's so important the sound feedback you get from, from your instrument that you're playing on, and to be inspired by the sound, and, of course, depending on the piano, it can be more or less inspiring, but in such a case, uh, where the sound you get um, is so, so beautiful and um, allows you so many colors, and one also plays better. So I noticed that he was enjoying the sounds he's creating and also reacting to that. And, and that inspired him to, to, again, create different sounds. So I think um, that relation between um, pianist and instrument is so important. And of course, with an instrument like this, um, the possibilities are really endless.
1: That's interesting because of what you said, Francois, you said it was interesting to listen from a distance. Absolutely. Because when you're sitting at the piano, I mean, you've got to create all these sounds and uh, harmonics and things like that that, to help the piano along. It didn't occur to me now that it must sound quite different sitting there as opposed to sitting in the audience.
4: I think what, you know, it, it's a lot more direct when you're obviously in front of the piano, uh, especially one who's much more aware of it. And what I have to, to say what Esther also said is that inspiration that the instrument gives one. You know, there's a kickback from a piano that you can sense. It's, it's a whole combination of factors. It's the sound that you get from the soundboard directly to yourself. It's also the sense of the feeling of the touch of the piano, the keyboard what the action is doing for you and that can often inspire one to actually perform a little bit better than what you would normally do <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the trick sense. is
1: <laughs> to get all your students to play the exams on a fat theory.
4: well <laughs> that, that that is absolutely the truth you know if you if you have a really good piano you often
1: can get away with a little bit more than on a tomato box so to say both kevin and herod mentioned the bass sound and the pedals on this piano have you had that experience as well the the it's a particularly rich bass but it doesn't smother anything
4: I think that that's absolutely true, it's that purity of that sound, that clarity that you get within the sound of the bass note, so that you still have the resonance of the bass, uh, you know, and also because of the the size of the piano, that wonderful uh, deep resonance as well, mm-hmm. but it's not that overwhelming sort of what I call timbre that sort of almost obliterates everything around it, you know, so there's still that clarity always going through. I don't know, still, what do you feel?
5: I completely agree, um, but I just want to add to that, because everybody has commented on the bass, of course, it's a really wonderful register of this instrument, but what I also enjoy about it is that every different register has a different colour to it, and that I find quite unique to the Fazioli. that one doesn't experience uh, to that extent in other instruments, and one of my fa- favourite registers personally of this piano um, is perhaps the melody register, so everything in this two octaves above middle C, where we usually on the piano would have um, the upper melody, and it's so easy to sing on this piano, so I think it's always a challenge one has, depending on the instrument, Uh, to be able to create the singing sound um, and also uh, to create the sustain um, to to, to play completely legato um, and that is on this instrument particularly effortless um, which of course is again um, that sound feedback you get uh, makes it very inspiring to play
1: I'm going to spring something on you, Estia. Won't you just play a few notes, I don't mean a performance, in the register you're talking about, the upper register, just the sound, just, in fact, arpeggios, just play, you don't have to play well, APs, okay. <laughs> in the register you, you're talking about. understand a glorious but Beethoven today. sounding <laughs> and is that the register you mean that 's the register you say that it's, it is your favorite sound on this piano
5: yes, absolutely, so for example, bring out the upper voice of chords. Um, playing a, a melody while there, often the accompaniment has to um, compete with it in terms of the, that there's a lot, often um, uh, quite a few notes in the accompaniment and just a single line in the upper mm-hmm. melody um, to get it to sing. And I think that ideal that um, Paolo Fazioli has about the bel canto sound, I think he really actually succeeded in creating that. <laughs> Very it. Italian bel Absolutely.
1: canto, this all endless singing quality. And you're not going to get away, Francois, you're going to play us a... Tune. <laughs> um, but before we do that, we're going to have another piece of music, but just to end this little discussion on the on the actual physics of the piano, Kevin was also mentioning the pedal, especially in the he, he was very interesting about how this piano's pedals seem much more, I, do, I want to use the word sensible, than normal. Well, you know, it, you,
4: I always say to people, you know, playing the piano—it's a bit like playing tennis. I mean, it sounds ludicrous, but it's really all in the footwork, and the pedal work that one does at the piano can really make or break a performance in terms of what the pianist is trying to get across. So mm-hmm. often, we think that playing the piano just involves what they're doing with the keyboard and the sound, but it's really what the piano pedals respond to the performer and. Uh, You know, really good pianists have an intimate knowledge of how the pedals work and what the different pedals can create from pianos. And each piano is different, but obviously there is a consistency amongst the great makes of pianos. And what I find with the Fazioli is that there is such a wonderful clarity that one can still achieve even when using what I would call quite generous pedals. There's still
1: a sort of a clarity of sound that really Mm. works well. And that is for me very important. So even the pedals... Yes. <laughs> important. Okay, we're going to have another music break now and we're going to call Simon Wu up here to the podium, who I think is going to play Rachmaninoff, the great uh, piano composer. It is Simon, welcome. It is Rachmaninoff. What are you going to play for us? Um, the Etude No. 6 by Rachmaninoff. Etude Number 6 by Rachmaninoff. And here is Simon Wu. That was one of the etudes, was it, by Rachmaninoff. Simon, tell me now what you found playing Rachmaninoff, the the great composer of the keyboard, the keyboard composer par excellence, almost. How does this feel playing Rachmaninoff? I personally feel like it feels very great,
3: actually. Um, Like it's definitely something that you have to get used to. Like the action I feel for me is, I wouldn't say heavy. It's heavy, but it's very crisp. That's what I feel. Um, and then for a piece like this, where it's very like fast-paced and like a lot of repeated notes, um, it's very nice to play. Um, it's very easy to play, and you don't have to work as hard. Like especially like the top melody line in the Rachmaninoff, as you can hear, um, it sings much like nicer. It's very clear, and that that's very
1: very nice. Thank you very much. That was Simon Wu. Thank you very much, Simon. And now, Ian Burgess-Simpson is the shop in which we are ensconced for this edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. In Westlake, I've been saying lakeside, but apparently it's Westlake. It's fairly close. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) My compass is slightly out. But I've asked you to come back because I want to ask you just some practice. When someone buys a piano like this and it's imported, it stands here, it's been standing here for a few weeks, hasn't it, because you kind of let let it settle in after its long journey across the sea. Yes,
2: ideally. The transition of the piano, I mean, they they come in beautifully constructed wooden crates, um, which are themselves a bit of a work of art. But once the piano is unboxed, it's then exposed to this completely different environment. Pianos are, are highly responsive to humidity rather than anything else. So apart from, but apart from tuning, there's also the question of setting the piano up for the purpose that it's going to be used for. Um, the, the owner, the space that it's going into, those kind of considerations. So, uh, on all pianos, uh, that, that, we handle, we have quite an extensive preparation process after it arrives. And in this case, the, the owner has also been very generous in, in, in allowing and encouraging, in fact, that we invite pianists to come and try the piano because they are so rare. Is it a private um, owner? It's yes, not yes, going to yes, accompany a yes, university or it's, anything. It's a private owner, yes. Right. He's played the piano, you know, his whole life. Uh, he's an amateur pianist, um, but this is, you know, his sort of dream instrument. <laughs> but he wants to
1: share it. When um, you got as the call from him saying, <clears throat> "Now look here, Ian, I'd like to buy a Fazioli concert grand," what was the first thought that ran through your mind? Well, it wasn't quite
2: like that. We've been talking for several years, and in fact, talking about rebuilding the piano he has, and, and so this developed on his horizon as a as a new possibility and in fact this particular piano he, he he kept expanding the possible size that he was interested in as he learned and understood more about size which is about tone quality more than power and in fact this particular piano is not brand new it's four years old and it's from Fazioli's concert fleet and this particular instrument we're looking at has the the rare heritage of having been chosen from that fleet by some very famous pianists including Daniel Trifonov, Angela Hewitt and Louis Lorty who have all played this piano in the last few years and oh. chosen it out of other fazioles so <laughs> when it then arrived I also then uh, dared to put my touch on it in terms of the way I felt the piano should be prepared and finished off after its journey and had uh, you know tremendous feedback from all the pianists you've heard who've all they're now uh, regular visitors and I, listen so to when the is play and I listen to what they say in terms of the way we prepare. When, when is it going to its new home? Well, the owner fortunately says to me he's not in a terrible rush, so I'm thinking
1: sometime in the next 20 years or so, I I (laughs) hope to deliver it to him. Yeah. No, maybe Um, not. (laughs) But then, Ian, from a practical point of view, what happens with things like tuning? Would you tune it when he, when it needs to be tuned, he'll call you? Yes, so we, we will maintain the piano,
2: and there's a great deal more to maintaining a piano than just tuning it. They, you know, there are thousands and thousands of intricate moving parts in an instrument, and for them to be at their best, they really, I mean, you could virtually live inside the thing. Um, you know, and just keep working on it. So they, they're, they, they're incredibly both robust and very delicate. Um, so yes, we, we will hopefully be maintaining it. It'll be regularly tuned. But I mean, if he has occasional home concerts, which he plans to do, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if he's had a tune the week before. We would tune it on that day for that concert. Mm-hmm. I would also look at the tone work of the piano, et cetera as Mm -hmm. it should be for every single performance.
1: But there must be an interest in Fatsioli here in South Africa because there are, as you said, three in your shop at the moment. Yes. Well, we have helped hopefully to develop that
2: interest by by bringing the mythical creature here um, (laughs) so that that people can can see it and experience it, and it's it's been a tremendously... I, I never thought in my lifetime that I would be part or be exposed to such a great, uh, upheaval in, in in music, and to have met Paolo Fazzoli is almost like, I feel like meeting Henry Steinway. It's a great privilege to to work with the pianists on these pianos. But the, mm-hmm. the entire purpose of the whole thing is just the music, right? Absolutely, and there's no other reason for the piano's existence. So that it comes from that and it goes to that, and that's what we do: is listen to the pianists, listen to the music, get their feedback, and try to give them the the very best thing that they can. It's all about the ability to express, and how does a particular instrument, or in this case, how does a design of instrument extend the range of that expression? And if I can just mention, hopefully it's not too technical, but what everybody has commented on in the clarity of the piano, some of this, a lot of this has got to do with the way harmonics can coexist, and it's the most extraordinary thing where as as a technician we listen to harmonics in order to tune and to change the tone of a piano, and what normally happens, and the pianists experience this in their side of it as well, is that these harmonics coexist for a while and then they get uncomfortable and they squabble, um, mm. and you end up with a kind of harmonic mush, and then you clear that with the pedal, or if you're tuning, you stop. In these instruments, what he's done is these harmonics can coexist in layers simultaneously, sort of happily under the lid of the piano. And this is partly how, from a technical point of view, these extraordinary colors become possible. It's because they can coexist, these individual components of the note and multiple notes simultaneously for so long and then extend by the pedal as well, that you get this, as I say, a new soundscape, which literally enables pianists, and I've heard pianists comment that they have been able to do things on these pianos that they have never heard in that repertoire before. Uh, It's like a new discovery. The composer knew it and now the pianist can know it and the audience can know it.
1: Well now, let's have some more music on this magnificent Fatsioli this beast here in Ian burgess Simpson's shop. And Francois is with me, Francois de Toy, whom we all know as we've spoken earlier to very well. And Francois, you not get away without playing, I'm afraid. So what are you going to play for us?
4: Um, you know, Rodney, I'm going to sort of t- take the easier route, but I'd like to also explore this cantabile of this piano and this Italian style. And so what better composer to do, to use than Chopin. So I'll do the, the nocturne in E flat major.
1: The Nocturne in E-flat by Chopin played for us there by François de Toit. It must be quite different, François, to have admittedly a small audience here listening to the piano rather than to you.
4: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's, you know, for me, this whole experience of with this piano and playing, like just playing now with warts and all and a couple of wrong notes and stuff like that, but it's like traveling a journey with a very sort of good friend, as you the journey proceeds, you realize how much more you begin to enjoy the instrument. Because sometimes in the beginning, with every instrument that you play, there's sometimes a slight hesitation, you're not quite sure, is it a fit or not. And it was really strange for me now just to start playing, having not really warmed up on the piano at all or done anything, and just sensing what it can do, you know, a couple of bars into the piece. It's, it's really like a, you know, a, a, an Italian sports car. That's really what it's like, really.
1: <laughs> That's a new analogy. But what I noticed in that particular piece, that nocturne, was the, the high notes. And we've been talking a lot about the bass of this piano. And Estier had showed us a wonderful demonstration of that upper, that sort of middle register. But we heard quite a few, lots of very high notes here. What are they like? I mean, they sound wonderful, clarity and all that. What are they like? Well, there definitely is a sort of a bell-like substance to the note. There's a sound
4: that is so clear, and at yet it rings clean, but it's not abrasive. And I think that that is always what one strives for on a piano. The a piano is essentially, in a, uh, you know, all pianos are percussion instruments. It's a percussive instrument. And all our lives we strive to create a singing sound on a piano. And this is really what this facioli allows one to do so easily.
1: So with this modern piano, and as Ian said, a kind of uh, revolution in piano sound and technology, is it therefore opening up more sort of sound world of something like, for example, the Beethoven piano sonatas? Uh, absolutely. I think that that does open up that sound world of that
4: clarity of the Beethoven sonata that you might have got on earlier pianos as well. Obviously it is different now because it has so developed, but there is a sense um, you know, there was always this struggle with pianos over the last hundred years or so to create bigger and larger sounds and sometimes that compromised a few pianos in that it became a little bit murky and as uh, they sort of tended towards the more orchestral sound because they were fighting against bigger orchestras and stuff and larger repertoire but this has the power as well as the clarity and I think and that is something that One can really apply to all composers, really, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Francois. And I have to say, thank you to everybody um, who's contributed to a rather unusual program here on Fine Music Radio on People of Note. And we've been here at the Ian Burgess Simpson shop in Westlake looking at a rather magnificent Fazioli concert grand. And so I'd just like to thank Ian very much. Thank you, Ian, for all your knowledge and input uh, that you contribute to the program today and also to François de Toy for his knowledge as well as a concert pianist and Esther Kruger who played us some glorious Beethoven and for our performers today Kevin Kim, Simon Wu and Gerard Joubert and to end, people of note, we're going to end on the Fazioli Concert Grant and Gerard Joubert is going to play an intermezzo by Schumann. Gerard, thank you. Thank you.